story nine of gulliver the great and other dog stories by walter a dyer this librivox recording is in the public domain story nine the blood of his fathers i don't want to hurt your feelings catherine said gerard thaxton but i can't make a russian wolfhound seem like anything but a freak animal they don't know anything and can't do anything you want a dog to do i really can't see what they're good for except to appear in photographs with fashionable ladies along with their hats panniers and other bizarre adjuncts mrs thaxton bit her lip diplomacy required that she withhold her retort she wanted very much to keep the grand duke of vladimir and i believe they're treacherous continued gerard they look it wherein he was guilty of prejudice and unfairness for no man should pass judgment on a dog without a trial but he was quite sincere a borzoi didn't look like a dog to thaxton whose taste ran wholly in the direction of hunting dogs with a moderate fondness for english bulls his present fancy was a pack of beagles and his ideal of canine intelligence was a female english setter he had known and loved and shot over in north carolina in nineteen o two mrs thaxton threw her arm across vladimir's strong shoulders and stroked his wonderful white coat he waved his tail slowly and turned his head his face was level with hers as she sat in her low chair he just brushed her cheek with the tip of his clean aristocratic muzzle at least he's handsome said she her husband surveyed the dog critically the drooping tail the long powerful flanks the sloping hips the wasp-like waist the muscular shoulders and neck and the absurdly small head with its low forehead its narrow jaws and its undog-like eyes i can't see it he replied his coat is good but his perspective is way off mrs thaxton was wise enough to let him have the last word and the interview ended in an empty victory for the man since vladimir remained at thaxtonia in the wheatley hills she was forced to admit to herself that gerard was more than half right she herself had been able to discover no real usefulness in the hound she knew that she desired him chiefly for his ornamental and fashionable qualities for she had never discovered anything not even a brown and gold limousine with chauffeur and footman in brown and gold livery that so contributed to the aristocratic aspect of her immediate environment as did the stately grand duke vladimir moreover she wanted to bench him at the ladies kennel association show in mineola in june there was too much danger of distemper at the new york show for the prospect of a blue ribbon and its attendant publicity literary and pictorial fitted in nicely with her social purposes but there was something more than these motives in her championship of the borzoi during her autumn walks and drives she had become fond of him and she had discovered in him evidences of an unmistakable affection for her it was not the demonstrative skirt-muddying affection of the terrier nor the slobbery mournful-eyed st bernard kind in fact it was not obvious at all it had come slowly with the passing of the days and expressed itself in momentary glances little pressures of the body and in strict privacy the voluntary resting of his head upon her knee to her this affection seemed peculiarly valuable because of its subtlety restraint chivalry and rare good breeding 
it was as though she were loved at a distance by a prince of the royal blood and such loves are not to be lightly cast aside to vladimir this beautiful woman with her soft voice and caressing hands appeared to be the one person in the world whom it was worth while to try to please john burns who fed and combed him he treated with a certain mild condescension that passed for liking but from all the other creatures on the estate whether quadruped or biped he held himself haughtily aloof on that account he gained a reputation for stubbornness and stupidity the spoken word had but little effect on him save when uttered by his mistress but vladimir had other vices than those of exclusiveness or at least they seemed vices to the uncomprehending humans he was not trusted at large and when not in the company of his mistress he spent most of his time on a plebeian trolley a wire cable was stretched from his kennel to a tree twenty yards distant and vladimir's chain was attached to a ring encircling this cable so that he could run up and down if he chose but he seldom chose vladimir was not playful this restriction of his liberties irked him and for long hours he brooded sullenly in his kennel sometimes a mighty impulse would seize him to be off and away though kennel bred the blood in his veins called aloud for long swift bounding runs across limitless steps now vladimir's neck was thicker than his head and one day he discovered something with a twist and a tug he slipped off his offensive collar and was off across the grounds john burns saw him and started out of the garage on a run but a score of long graceful leaps took the dog out of sight among the cedars the intoxication of freedom lent wings to the wolfhound's feet and when he reached the hempstead plains it seemed to him that he had found again his native heath something within him called for speed and yet more speed then he settled down to a steady undulating lope that ate up the miles as light and billowy as the flight of the meadowlark half an hour from the time he broke loose an acquaintance telephoned to gerard thaxton that his dog had been seen in westbury but he had hardly cranked his motor-car and started in pursuit when similar tidings came from hicksville thaxton returned baffled at nightfall vladimir appeared at thaxtonia of his own accord and allowed himself to be ignominiously shut up he was panting and thirsty but apparently unwearied though john burns estimated that he must have covered all of forty miles the ineffectiveness of the collar being apparent a stout harness was made for vladimir and strapped securely around his body he stood this just a week and then one day the roving impulse took possession of him again starting at his kennel he ran at full speed the length of his wire and then hurled himself forward like the bolt of a catapult something had to give way it chanced to be the snap that attached his chain to his harness and vladimir disappeared down the road like a long wavy white streak again vladimir returned after he had run himself into a state of comparative calm but this time wrath followed in his wake for he had wrought havoc in an east williston poultry-yard it was then that gerard thaxton rebelled but his lady kept her temper and vladimir remained albeit reduced to the ignominy of a short chain strong enough to restrain an elephant 
mrs thaxton was rather silly to want to take vladimir to town with her to be sure he was as docile as an old setter when with her but there seemed to be something incongruous in the idea of introducing the wide-ranging borzoi to the city of narrowness and height thaxton had a dread of what might happen along the sidewalks of broadway in case vladimir should choose to take a little run say from union square to van cortland park and back by way of the bronx besides most apartment hotels failed to provide adequate accommodations for jaguars or eagles or russian wolfhounds however mrs thaxton assumed all responsibility and a compromise was effected vladimir might spend a part of his time in the city if his mistress would make all the arrangements the rest of the time john burns would be accountable for him at thaxtonia the way was paid for him at the hotel by means of a well-lined purse and honeyed words and vladimir was given quarters in the nether region and was cared for by an irish porter who was passionately fond of dogs even when they're snakes like this one it was with inward trepidation but with a brave outer aspect of unconcern that mrs thaxton first took vladimir out for a walk in the city she had him on a short leash the end of which was wrapped many times around the hand which she kept inside her muff she knew she could not hold the great dog for a moment if he should set his heart on getting away but she purposed to nip such an impulse in the bud if possible much to her relief vladimir behaved like a perfect gentleman the crowds on the avenue and the noise of traffic apparently had no effect upon his nerves but seemed rather to steady him and give him poise as a matter of fact these sights and sounds awoke a vague memory in vladimir's queer little brain he forgot the hunt and the dash across the steps and recalled darkly the pomp and glitter of russian nobility and the companionship of proud lords and ladies vladimir strode along by his mistress's side with the dignity of a prince swerving neither to right nor to the left setting down his feet with all the daintiness of a cat on a frosty morning he held his head high seemingly conscious of the long graceful flowing curve of his neck back flanks and tail mrs thaxton was keenly alive to the impression she and vladimir were creating between them her feeling of apprehension gave place to a glow of intense satisfaction vladimir was splendid in accordance with the terms of mrs thaxton's agreement with gerard vladimir spent two-thirds of his time in durance vile at thaxtonia but every day during his brief visits in the metropolis she took him out for an afternoon walk sometimes central park called them but as a rule the crowded avenue proved a more potent lure on pleasant days they would occasionally extend their promenade as far south as madison square returning by way of madison avenue vladimir never seemed nervous or restless never tugged at his leash or attempted to run never barked or appeared to notice any other four-footed creature save once only they were passing through a cross street one mild day in february when a dirty half-starved black-and-white cat hardly more than a kitten trotted hastily across the street fifty yards ahead of them vladimir had never displayed any tendency to chase cats cobwebs the gray stable cat at thaxtonia he had utterly and disdainfully ignored 
but something in the sudden appearance of this forlorn animal awoke the madness that always lurked within him and he snatched the leash out of mrs thaxton's hand and was off like the wind he was upon the cat almost instantly it seemed before she could think of escape and together they slid for a rod or more along the wet slippery sidewalk mrs thaxton hurried forward and was joined by two or three men but vladimir was not to be coaxed or driven off until he was through he had changed in an instant from the gentlest of animals to a growling bloodthirsty fiend mortified beyond words mrs thaxton led him home by the least conspicuous route his head and tail drooping his haunches muddy his jaws stained with innocent blood but when a month had passed and a new costume needed to be displayed on the avenue she forgave him vladimir seemed quite to have forgotten his disgraceful lapse and held his head as high and trod as daintily as ever ah those russians it was april in madison square the air was still a bit raw damp and chilly and a bit discouraging to those who longed for spring nevertheless a certain spring-like tempering of the breeze was noticeable after noon and each of the park benches furnished a resting-place for its quota of nature lovers from the ragged ranks of leisure in the newly groomed flower-beds green spears of tulip and daffodil poked their sharp points above ground in promise of gorgeous bloom to come and there was a hint of green across the lawns over on twenty-third street the little shops were hopefully displaying spring raiment as the afternoon wore on there was a little more loitering along the paths and all the benches filled the twitter of sparrows became audible above the strident rumble of trolley-cars near the centre of the park an old man sat with a stolid bulldog between his knees and a nondescript brown dog was sniffing about the nearby tree-trunks presently the walks began to fill with a crowd of men women and children pouring out of madison square garden for it was circus week on the sidewalk opposite the garden an agent of the society for the prevention of cruelty to animals was feeding the pigeons which swooped down in all directions with a whistling of wings and a glimmering of irised necks literally covering their benefactor much to the delight of the passing children emerging from fifth avenue at the northwestern corner of the square appeared a fine lady clad in a costume of black velvet relieved here and there with a foamy outcropping of white on her hands were white gloves and a bunch of white narcissus was pinned at her waist a huge salmon-colored plume burst like a flame from her black velvet hat by her side there stepped with majestic mien a tall shapely russian wolfhound milk-white with a huge bow of salmon-colored satin at his throat suddenly over by the garden a shrill scream rent the air followed by a terrified babble of human voices among the thinning crowd at the door there was a hesitating panicky rush in several directions at once parents seized their children and looked fearfully about for the cause of the alarm a big policeman ran heavily across the square blowing his whistle then there appeared from somewhere about the garden the terrible lank form of a big siberian wolf his red tongue showing and his white fangs gleaming wickedly he paused for a moment in the street confused by the sights and sounds that assailed him 
he was a huge hairy creature dark in colouring with bristling neck and big bushy tail hanging gracefully between his hawks tremendous muscular power was evident in every line and motion of him as he stood there with one forefoot raised his small furtive eyes shifted constantly like those of a thief his nostrils quivered nervously his upper lip was raised slightly in an habitual snarl a big dangerous brute he was equipped for deadly battle yet the picture of fear and the treachery of fear some primal instinct had sent the snowy pigeons in flight to the roofs not one remained in sight for a block or more every sign of life disappeared from the street save the great gaunt beast standing in the deserted thoroughfare like the figure of famine come to the great city for its toll of lives presently the open space ahead attracted him and he came trotting into the park with a crouching level gait his head held low and his eyes glowing with evil the trot changed to a sort of gliding cantering lope slow yet suggestive of great speed as though the swelling muscles of shoulder and hip were eager for intenser action after long months of hateful incarceration this spirit of hungry defiance was free again free to range and run to tear and mangle to kill and drink blood a bit of wild lawless siberia had been suddenly loosed in the midst of the city of asphalt and stone to set at naught the organized regularity of its civilization for a few minutes the fleeing or stupefied people their screams and hoarse shouts distracted the wolf and he ran this way and that in undirected frenzy the policeman drew his revolver but dared not shoot at the swift-moving beast because of the people at the western edge of the square the cab-horses were snorting and rearing in an agony of fear of the dread unknown the bulldog cowered between the feet of his old master who was too dazed to flee a young man in a grey suit made a quick but ill-considered sortie from cover to rescue a parcel he had left on one of the benches the movement caught the wolf's eye and the young man swung himself into the branches of a small tree just in time to escape the vicious snap of those dripping jaws the wolf tore the parcel to shreds and leaped snarling and biting at the tree trunk the brown mongrel brave but idiotic stood yapping and prancing at what he doubtless supposed to be a safe distance the wolf turned and in half a dozen long swift strides fell upon the little dog and reduced him instantly to a mangled bloody carcass then with a sullen glance around he began his disgusting feast there were those who remained to witness it fascinated by horror or fear or reckless curiosity before the eyes of these suddenly and without warning there shot across the square a swift voiceless white object with a flash of salmon pink in the breast of the sedate beautiful grand duke vladimir the sight and scent of the hereditary enemy of his clan had aroused the mad blood of his fathers it went coursing hotly through his veins and sent him speeding across the greening turf and over two rows of park benches in leaps thirty feet long his body doubling and extending like a steel spring there was a sharp bewildering collision and the surprised wolf went rolling over and over on the ground but vladimir's rush had been too impetuous 
he missed the mark his white teeth had chosen and sped onward twenty yards before he could check himself then he turned and gathered his wonderful legs beneath him to spring the wolf had scrambled to his feet and stood with lowered head and half-open jaws jaws for which vladimir's slender pointed muzzle seemed no possible match indeed the borzoi who had appeared so lithe and tall by the side of his mistress looked pitifully small and ineffective now as he faced his heavier more powerful enemy but though he had never seen a wolf before in his life instinct or inherited experience told vladimir exactly what to do two long strong bounds brought him within striking distance and then he shot forward like a white feathery arrow the wolf crouched braced himself and appeared to receive his assailant with a quick powerful grip of the jaws but vladimir was too lightning quick he leaped clean over the wolf's back and as he did so he caught the beast just back of the ear with a quick twisting snap into which he put all the strength of his sinewy neck in spite of his weight and crouch the wolf was again thrown off his feet before he could recover before he could even present his horrid front to his opponent's bewildering attack vladimir was at him again and seized him deftly by the back of his neck trusting not to any fancied strength in his narrow delicate jaws vladimir threw all the power of flanks body shoulders and neck into one mighty wrench there was a blood-curdling cry a snapping of vertebra and the great dark animal lay still the policeman ran up and put a bullet into the wolf's body for luck and then the circus attendants arrived and the crowd closed in forcing vladimir back from his kill mrs thaxton was scarcely noticed as she came up somewhat pale and trembling and took again the leash that vladimir had snatched from her hand but the dog saw her coming and stood with drooping head and tail until the caressing hand and broken words of praise reassured him when at length the crowd thought to look about for its deliverer it saw and cheered the sight a tall aristocratic-looking lady in a black velvet suit with a salmon-pink plume in her black velvet hat retreating toward fifth avenue and at her side a slender white wolfhound treading as softly and daintily as a princess proudly unconscious of the salmon-pink ribbon dragging in the dust at his feet End of story nine.